It's time to go into auto reverse with Tony and Matt. Where we look at bands that are underappreciated, misunderstood, forgotten, and to some unknown. This week, we're going auto reverse on Blood, Sweat, and Tears. What goes up must come down. Spinning wheel, got to go round. I mean, is that how you first came into this band? I think that's most people, how they hear about yeah. Sweat and Tears is they hear that lyric with the cowbell, which to me has always been, you know, the most famous cowbell. In, so, right. in many ways, because that's the first time I heard it in a song where it was so stark. Um, you know. More famous than Blue Oyster Call? Well, that's, that's sketch and pop culture driven more than it's song driven like if that they didn't do right. that if they didn't do that sketch no one would have put those two things together that's true you know i would actually go miss if we're going on cowbells you go mississippi queen mississippi queen yeah, yeah. that's up there too that's top a, yeah. top five yeah. easily yeah so um but blood sweat and tears is a is a real fascinating band in, in many ways because talk about a band that came out of the gate and really had some big success and then just kind of in many ways just kind of by their own hand kind of killed their their own success um yeah i mean they, like just so much movement in terms <laughs> of like band members in and out and and also like the crazy um there's sort of crazy combination of styles um yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. It's weird because it's like, you know, the thing that we when we do, we dove into this band is like the the jazz heavyweights that have gone through this band is kind of staggering, mm -hmm. um, but it's also yeah, it's they are considered in many ways a jazz rock band, even though mm -hmm. when you talk only the diehard, I think only the diehards would consider them that because when you look at them um, from a popularity or what they're known for it's a it's a it's a rock band and it's a rock band with really in my mind one lead singer even though they've had many um mm -hmm. in their signature style but this is a band that and one of the things i really did i didn't know i got to be honest with you i didn't know they were from new york so they're from new york and was in the um kind of like the jazz blues scene in the late uh, late 60s in uh Cafe Agogo scene, which, you know, Hendrix and a lot of others mm -hmm. part of that. Um, and the main guy was um, Al Cooper, who was a, man, a part of this band called The Blues Project, which I, I heard mm -hmm. of. Um, and he had this great admiration for uh, Maynard Ferguson, who is a you know, renowned jazz band leader, and uh, but wanted to start his kind of own band. So the the pitch in the the whole thing was old Al wanted to be the lead singer and their and because of his notoriety and such they got you know they got a fairly good following but and their first album I think is self titled right it's uh, blood sweat and tears is um, is essentially just him singing and more on a eh, I don't want to say jazz blues band but it's uh you know it's not it's not what I would consider uh, blood, sweat, and tears that, that we all know. I think the first album is actually called Child is Father of Man, is Father of the Man. And the second album is self-titled. 
Well, you know what? This is a great example why you should do a little bit more research before you start the show. And, and, and maybe actually have it <laughs> maybe even have a discography on your screen so you can <laughs> as part of your notes so you can you don't screw up things like that um but yeah you're right um yeah as, as as the page loads on wikipedia it it, it is child is the father to the man is the first one and, and the second album so they you know they got some good acclaim on the first album but funny enough it was um um, before they were missing the lead sing a lead singer with really some presence because Al Cooper, even if you hear those first albums, doesn't really have much on it. But um, who was it? Um, was it Laura Nemo? Um, was dating one of the, the was dating uh, one of the guys in the band, James, uh, Jim Filder. Filder. Yeah, Laura Nero. Laura Nero. What did I say? Did I, did I butcher that you name? said Nemo. You said Nemo. Ah, you know, fucking Pixar movies around the house. <laughs> You know, good always, good always, movie, though. Yeah, it's it's all right. Um, so they um, they recommended David Clayton Thomas, um, who was a who was a Canadian. And, That's right. And uh, really, he was recruited to uh, be that band, and in my in my opinion, just transform that band because his voice is look. I'm, okay. What do you think about this? Are they kind of at the first album and kind of leaning into the second album, kind of on a Chicago tip a little bit? Yeah, too. that's the band that I that I when I think of. So you know, you you started this whole thing off calling them, you know, pretty much a jazz rock band, and I started thinking when I was putting the notes together for this, like which band is the most similar to them in that in that way in that that sort of direction and in chicago yeah that's that's what they remind me of and, and the more i kept listening to them and stuff and even what's his name's vocal uh clayton thomas's vocal reminds me of um of uh not terry kath but the other guy that sang um oh the keyboard player sort of like a comp sometimes like the keyboard player and the bass player of chicago oh, uh, yeah 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 they remind it's like a con combination of those two but let's before we get dive into this what we're we're diving into right here. Okay. They considered Alex Chilton at one point oh, to be the right. singer. That's right. That's, that's right. crazy. That's crazy. And yeah, and it was Nero, Stephen Stills, and Judy Collins who suggested David Clayton Thomas. But um, so yeah, so he's on. He sings on the second record uh self-titled and uh i guess there's a bunch of covers on that record right yeah other than yeah. spinning wheel which was the hit right and that's the thing if the, the the playlist they do a lot of a lot of covers um yeah you yeah. know what the thing is about and we could play you know with that that combination is like of how they are kind of similar to chicago it's what you hear and what i like about blood sweat and tears especially the first the David Clayton Thomas albums is that is a tight band, and actually, oh yeah, and actually didn't really veer off into jazz until later. I mean, until they started, I forget what the album they did. You know, uh, Herbie Hancock's Maiden Voyage, but they, I, I would say it's a very pedestrian version of Maiden Voyage. It sounds almost yeah. It seems like the same thing. It's like uh, yeah, we get we heard this version. Herbie does it. You gonna add anything to this? The only thing I hate about covers is like if you're unless you're gonna bring if you're just gonna knock it off like do something different and I think a lot of the like with fire and rain 
they, you know, the difference is Clayton Tom, David Clayton Thomas's voice, but it's not really anything um, unique about the, what they're doing about it. But it's a really, t I guess, what I'm get, my bigger point is like, it's a very, very, very tight band. It's very good musicians. The difference I would say between uh, that band uh, and Chicago, if we're going to do that comparison a little longer, is you know they don't have a superstar guitar player. They don't have uh, someone who's um, wildly uh, like a savant on their instrument. It's, there's they, everything's tighter. Uh, blood, sweat, and tears. If you think about it, they were kind of a band of producers. Because, like, I mean, you had Al Cooper, who left the band to become the in-house right. uh, Columbia Records producer. You had Katz, whose first name I'm f completely forgetting. He left the band at one point in the early 70s to become Lou Reed's producer. Right. So they were kind of like yeah, a that's... band of session guys and producer session guys that, you know, had a nice chemistry um and were able to like move you know they sort of like went with the changes of the the lineups and were able to produce in my book interesting records and, and some more pop than others but it's really the records that you know where they started to go more jazzy so like like you were saying new blood that had the the maiden voyage cover which is not a great cover but then the records that came after that like no sweat mirror image yeah. And even the one that looked like a promo, um, which I can't pr pr even remember the name of it. The one that looked like they just um, took the label from the inside of the record and put it on the cover. Oh, like, um, I, I think it might be called More Than Ever. Yeah, More Than Ever. That's what I was saying. Yeah. So those were the records for me that are the most interesting because they were like, yo, fuck it. We're going all in on this sort of jazz, funk, soul jazz thing which you know you know me and you have been friends forever yeah. you know that that's some of my favorite music of all time and i probably spent anytime i go in a record store i f i spend half of my time looking for ronnie law's records and but, and okay. freddie hubbard okay. like 70s records and so when they started doing that it just it's it it really it made me like it made me like them more i mean obviously i didn't know that they were doing that at the time in the early right. 70s mid 70s but it's something that I've discovered over the last few years. I've discovered, you well, know, taking it, a deeper dive. Is it more of a novelty that they did do it rather than doing it well? Because, like, I, I yeah, I recognize that they do that, did that stuff, but it's not really the stuff that I, that, like, we, the stuff that you really like in that genre, I don't think that measures up to it. it they, it's it's, it's uh, passable, or what they call serviceable, 
but it's serviceable yeah i don't think it's outstanding like the things that they did on their first four albums actually you know the you know, yeah the first four albums was far more at least interesting to me because they were they're they're carving out their sound um and granted mm-hmm. most of it's based around uh david clayton thomas's vocals which it should be because his vocals you there there were they're singular. I mean, like you were saying, like there's a lot of people who sound a little bit like him, but there's this that there's that kind of ruffle, like undercurrent of what comes through his singing that is really distinctive mm-hmm. and is really quite enga- you know engages you with the band a little bit more, where the band is kind of holding down the fort and everything. Um, well, th- I guess this gets it. Then this is where we may disagree. So I listen to his voice. I think of like Tom Jones or something. Really? You know, I, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just that. Maybe that's maybe maybe I'm just making a crazy assumption about his, the way he sounds. But but and then your to your point about like did the stuff they're jazzy sort of like headhunters. Uh, Philly soul, jazz, you know, jazz yeah. funk um, direction that they took later. Does that measure up to the to like Bob James, or does that measure up to right. uh, Herbie Hancock or whatever? Uh, I think I I think it, at times it does. Oh, okay. But I get I get, but I guess, but and maybe I'm wrong in that assumption as well. But it's something that I just like that they did that. Right. That they tried that they tried that. And I think a lot of times in music, and this gets into the fine points of this show, I sometimes don't even care about the result as much as I care about the attempt, you know, uh, and that's, I don't know why that is. It's something that, you I, know, Yeah, you know, I guess that is really different because it's like, if you're good at making burgers and you do a veggie patty, I'm like, yeah, just stick to the burgers. I get what you're trying to do. With yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And, and your point is valid too, but... <laughs> I think I, I think I'm a little bit more sympathetic and accepting of someone trying to, especially like especially in their case, they were kind of a super group sort of, and you know they had the huge hit, Spinning Wheels, a huge hit, and then and then like a few albums, and they you know they changed, they kept always changing their lineup, and then they went in a completely different direction, and. Uh, and I guess it might be the crate digger aspect of me where, right. you know, I'm always looking for these like oddball, um, you know, records that, you know, you wouldn't, you, no one, maybe people wouldn't assume that blood, blood salt and tears. They right. just think of them as like sort of like, di- you know, r- dinosaurs of that, of that era. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and they don't, they didn't, they didn't even know this whole other aspect of their discography where they just completely changed. But but yeah, it's apples and oranges, and it's also a personal yeah, taste, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Right. Yeah. You know, and the thing- I also I'm also not like you, dude. I don't I'm not I don't write music. You know, you write music, you play, you know how to play, so you have a, a different understanding. I'm more of like a I don't know. I should I'm, be more like you. I should be more like ah, oh, they they tried to do that, but it's like I don't. Yeah. I, the thing is, is that. <sighs> You know, and it, maybe you're right. And there's a bit of it that's a push-pull with me. Is like I appreciate that they're trying other stuff, and they're trying, and especially bringing in. Like you don't. Like, let's talk about the people that they've had play with them. I'm like mm-hmm. freaking Randy Brecker, Joe Henderson. Oh God. Uh, Blue Lou. 
Marina. Yeah. Uh, Marini. Um, who else? Uh, Jaco uh, Pastoris. Did Jaco Pastoris play with them yeah. too? Yeah. Jeez, I didn't even know that. Yeah. That's um, crazy. And it's like that to open, the, and this is after their, I mean, Randy Brecker played before, but all those other guys came in afterwards. And you got to have a good band to be able to do that and to get that kind of talent. I mean, those guys stayed really long, but I mean, it's just that I think that I have a lot of the things that I found out and I'm listening through New Year's, you know, the playlist, which is a really great kind of dive into Blood, Sweat and Tears that you put together, that they did have more things to offer. Um, and I think their frustration, not a frustration, like I give a shit, but like the, the area that I'm, that I'm kind of like, well, you know, David Clayton Thomas left, um, and they bring in this other guy who's Jerry, um, uh, Jerry, um, what's his name? Jerry Fisher. Uh, Jerry Fisher. Yeah. Who's amazing voice too. And actually he comes into the band and how do you place a, replace an icon like David Clayton Thomas? You say, let's, I'm not going to be singing any of that shit. We need to do new material, which was a good move on his, on his role, on his part. And they put it, the album after, which isn't up to the other the album standards at least, but it's good. It's not, it's a very listable album. Um, and at one point that all the singers came back, Brian, uh, was it Bobby Doyle and all the guys who were the replacements came back and sang with the band and they kind of had a reunion type thing with all the original singers. And look, I think it's a band that what's what I think the band, what I would ask listeners is like, take a listen to the playlist because there's more to this band than spinning wheels in that era, which I admittedly, is stuck in and really enjoy but because they're one it's not a band built around one person is where i came around to it and that took a little bit of changing because i do prefer his voice but there are other stuff like you said that they've really tried to branch out and try to bring in main voyage attempt aside that was really you know really really interesting well, it, you could tell like their personal tastes of whoever was in charge in like like 71, 72, 73, yeah. their own personal taste. They were probably listening to a lot of jazz funk. They were probably listening to a lot of Philly soul. And that showed itself. I mean, they recorded, uh, I think they recorded Mirror Image in, um, at Sigma Sound in Philly, which was right. where they recorded all the Philly soul stuff at Philly International uh, Records. And then... They got Bob James to record uh, the More Than Ever record, and um, it's it, it should you know what I mean? Like they were like that's probably what they were into, and they said we're going to try to do it ourselves. Yeah, you know? and and that's what they did, and that's what and that's that's the beauty. It's like I was like you, I only knew Spinning Wheel and a few other of their early sort of covers. I didn't know this whole other side of them, this like early to mid '70s side of them. I didn't know, and then. And then, you know, I found that it was pretty cheap to get those records, yeah. like Mirror Image and stuff. They're like $5 hollows. So well, that's you, what I did. I went and got them, and then I was like, holy shit, what well, is all this stuff? The funny thing about Mirror Image that I found out about is, like, the guy who produced that was uh, Henry Cosby, who's the Motown 
guy who did a lot of the smoke. Oh, wow. He, I didn't know that. He did, you know, all the early Stevie Wonder, all the early oh, uh, Smokey, and Rob, Smokey and the Robinson and the Miracle stuff. So, uh -huh. I mean, like again, like that's the kind of stuff that makes, you know, that is kind of, you know, bringing in a, a veteran Motown producer. This is the album where Jerry Fisher is on, too. And, you know, it's just... It makes for, like I said, they're, they're a very, very interesting band in a sense. And, you know, they, they like I was talking about earlier, like they kind of self-sabotaged. They did this thing of, they went to, um, like during the late, they did like a goodwill tour for the Nixon administration, like 40, like were paid 40 grand. And it was like something that they wanted to bring, I guess the idea was to like go behind the Iron Curtain and bring some goodwill, a taste of America to the youth of, uh, uh, the East Block, the Eastern Europe Block, and uh, the band didn't want to do it, but they did it anyhow because they got pressured and because the government was like, you know, we want you guys to do this. And, you know, it was a major disaster and a lot of the people in America thought it, they were working for the CIA. And Yeah, hippies weren't having it. That's right. Yeah, you can, you got, they were tender-footed about that back then, you know, getting paid to go behind the Iron Curtain for the U.S. And so... You know, like that stuff, and then just you know, David Clayton Thomas wanted to go and do his own thing, um, because you look through the history of this band, and it's like you were saying earlier. There's like, you know, there's there's a there's the uh, consistency of like Bobby uh, Columbia uh, kind of running the band um, and being in the band and being kind of like the driving force to keep it together. Uh, even after Al Cooper left, they they were thinking about breaking up the band, and then the David, uh, you know, they found David Clayton Thomas, and that kind of saved it. Um, he was, you know, the kind of the original member who kind of stuck through the whole thing. But uh, you know, and there it's a big band, as you can hear from their music. You know, horn section, you know, double guitars, bass, you know, and such, and you know, keeping those kind of things together. And especially you have an enigmatic, you know, vocalist who with a signature sound, you know, it's 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 a credit to them that they did were able to put out so many albums post, um, um, you know, him leaving the band and him inevitably coming back later. Uh, but yeah, they're kind of like, you know, and they they have a lot of you know, typical uh, AOR rock, a lot of compilations out there of them, a lot of live a lot of live stuff of them out there. Um, but you know, a very fascinating band and a band that I would think on the, a, in the, uh, auto reverse universe, this is, would be put, you know, maybe under misunderstood. Yeah. Misunderstood. Um, forgotten maybe. I don't know. Forgotten. Dude. Maybe not forgotten. You're right. Because that's just spinning wheel. Spinning wheel is always on, yeah. And yeah. everyone, we're not getting a nickel every time we say spinning wheel. It literally is a song. <laughs> it is literally it's the I, biggest I, song. There, there, it's a song you will hear. I mean, there's a lot of songs about them that you, you'll hear because they have uh, Heidi. I mean, they have a lot of songs that are on AOR, but spinning wheels, like, I, I, if I could go a year without spinning wheel, it, not it just coming in some, being in a bank or doing wherever, like, it just comes on all the time. It's always on. It's yeah. It's it's ubiquitous still. You, yeah, you uh, visit your parents. It's going to come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, besides the other misstep they had besides that USO tour they did was, 
I guess their manager didn't like the money they were offered to play Woodstock, and they just didn't play it. And that was another pretty major misstep. Uh, that you know that that sort of like pushed them away from what they probably thought was their core audience of like young hippie like counterculture people. But they, you know that's the thing about them. I, I I really I love Blood Sweat and Tears, and I like I said I love all those like seventies albums that they made that are. But uh, but they're kind of like I think by the sort of like counterculture, uh, you know, generation, they're not they don't they're not like up there with like the Grateful Dead or Jefferson Storm, no. you know, Jefferson Airplane. They're more like they're like your parent. Even then, they they probably came off like your parents' band, you know, even back then. Yeah, and you know what? I hate to go do it, you know, an uh, auto reverse battle on battle between bands, but like I like. They aren't as interesting as Chicago. Like we did that. Yeah, to that exactly. Uh, that's the one. That's the thing I keep coming back to, especially on that album Mirror Image, where they do that entire second side of movement one through five. Yeah. And that that to me just that that screamed of Chicago. Just the right the you, way they put that together. I'm gonna say this word that you're gonna hate, but it's uh oh interesting. No, that I leave. That, you I, hate I, that word. You hate that I word. I don't. Yeah, I don't like that. That I don't. I don't that and cool. I don't really care for. <laughs> uh, no, but I Chicago was a badass band. Yeah, and that's the biggest difference. Like I, there is nothing about blood, sweat, and tears. It just takes me going like, oh fuck yeah. There's songs yeah. on Chicago that are, you know you and I are going like hell yeah. That is the shit right there. That's because uh, that's a really Terry Katz sort of role in that yes like, please uh, everyone they, please listen to auto reverse episode two num- episode two was it two was or it one? episode two or one i can't I don't remember know. it felt like i, I think, think it was one it might have been one yeah, it might have been one yeah that's why it has like about 1700 cuts in it because we were just trying yeah. to find our footing like <laughs> what are we supposed to talk about again oh yeah yeah, yeah. chicago yeah um terry Kath, by the way and then you know um but yeah they, the, there's they're a they're a band that it's worth a revisit. It's worth listening to the playlist as probably, you know, pushing that as much as we can because it really kind of gives a good explanation about how the band kind of started in this kind of, you know, blues jazz thing and then just kind of took off to being like a, you know, a, a popular selling six million albums and like three albums and then just taking a nosedive. And then trying new things with some really amazing uh, jazz musicians and other people kind of pulling, pull, you know, being brought into the band. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, again, I, I think, you know, this is a, this is a, the, there's a lot in this story that's interesting. Um, I would, I've never heard anyone talk to me about Blood, Sweat and Tears being their favorite band. <laughs> Have you ever, no. ever? I don't. I don't even know if their their poster sales, even during their heyday, were probably low. Um, yeah, yeah. I do peak the. Peak. Well, I, listen, I, I, I. They're not my favorite band, but they're. I, like, especially recently, I, I'm. It's. I feel like I'm going through a phase with them where I'm discovering this whole other side of the band that I didn't know about, um, and that makes me happy, and it's keeps my, uh, you know, it keeps me inspired and. And that's why we, you know, and I, I think I started sending you songs like a month ago. Yeah, yeah. Just saying, dude, how good is this? And then I, I think I put the playlist together pretty quickly, and um, and then we, that's when we decided we're like, yeah, we should, we should really cover these guys. Yeah. Because it's not all about being cool. It's not all about, um, 
you know, uh, there's a little bit to that, but what yes. the crit, it, it, there is a little bit to that, but it's not about critics choices. It's more no. about the, this was a band that was sort of, ref, re, you know, um, and Dick like sort of reflected the time that had some heavy hitters in it. And, and like I said earlier, so they were like a producer arranger right. session player band, which to me is cool is cool there's that word and there we go. but uh but to other people that's like the you know that's like a death sentence they just automatically oh they take all the fun out yeah, of it yeah. and i don't know i don't necessarily agree with that no i agree with that i think there's a line between this band needs some due respect and a, a second listen but i understand when no one wants to wear a blood sweat and tears t-shirt around town i would wear one would you if they yeah if i if i had a cool one i would wear it yeah well i i, I have no, pro, I have no if problem you had wearing. a cool one of course if you had if a cool had a, one you know like a, a one with a cool logo i don't want just some bullshit like uh, oh this guy photocopied the you know the cover to um you know whatever I, self-titled onto it i want i'm like, talking about cool would t-shirt. you wear a blood sweat and tears if it was like press on letters iron on letters would you put your yeah i would wear it. yeah i would wear it. <laughs> you would nice well that's i have no listen hey listen hey listen matt i have no problem flying the classic rock acid rock dinosaur rock you call it whatever i have no problem flying those colors on the daily not at not at all and that and that goes for r&b too soul i know jazz i got my blue oyster i got my blue oyster called tyranny and mutation shirt on today so dude that's cool i have a blue oyster cult tattoo do you i do i'll send you a picture after after uh, it says godzilla in the low on your lower back no no it's it's the uh it's the hook cross logo the the, their logo it's on the back of my arm Yeah. yeah nice yeah. Well, let us know what you uh, about your musical tattoos. <laughs> what tattoos and t-shirts. you have? Uh, <laughs> Tell us about your band, tattoos. Let us know what band what band tattoos you have. <laughs> and, t-sh- and t-shirts. Tell us and about t-shirts. yeah. Uh, autoreversepod at gmail or you can let us uh, you know tell us what you think of this episode or what up you know what bands you want us to explore. Um, Facebook and Instagram, hit us up there as well. And uh, yeah, until next time, everyone. All right, peace. <laughs>